You are listening to the Hospice Chaplaincy Show, a show where we talk about psychospiritual and psychosocial aspects of end of life care. And now, here's your host, Saul. I'm Saul Ebem, and thank you very much for joining us on this episode of the Hospice Chaplaincy Show. Today, I have a special guest for you, Nancy Mellon. She's an author and a healer. Please welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's such a joy and it's such a wonder to be uh, uh, speaking with you, Saul. Thank you. Can you give us a little background? Where did you grow up? Oh, growing up. Oh, my goodness. It, that is a big story. <laughs> there are so many different, different aspects to growing up. But I was born in um, central New York State. And eventually, I found more of a of a home where where I could feel the land. And the land that I was growing up on actually used to belong to the Indians. So the the Onondaga, the Iroquois Nation, um, is all around me. Their land. That's a big story. How they inhabited this earth, and how they hold such a great story. My favorite story, in many many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, of all the stories that I know is the great saga of the Onondaga nation, sometimes called the coming of the peacemaker. Mm. And, uh, you know, people can look this up, this coming of the peacemaker. The white roots of peace is one of the uh, versions of this great, uh, absolutely profound saga that belongs to the Onondaga nation. But there are other versions too. If people want to know more, they can uh, be in touch with me. I will gladly uh, share that story. It isn't more than a story. It is a a spiritual saga that has sustained uh, these uh, tribal people through many, many centuries and which actually inspired the founding of this nation. So I believe, you know, storytelling, ironically enough, is mostly about the great search for the deepest spiritual truth that sustains us human beings. And so uh, anyway, this is one of the greatest, greatest. And I happen to be living on and right now have come back, actually, and I'm staying on land that has these roots of tremendous uh, resilient wisdom from the Anandaka people. How did your journey uh, to storytelling, uh, story healing, how did, how did your journey begin? Oh, my goodness. That is such a, a complex uh, question for me to answer because I really don't know. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a mystery, you know, how we find our way to our own, uh, let's say, best contribution to life, the one we figure out and the, or the ones that we figure out. But um, it was a very gradual process. Uh, it was especially when I was training to be a Waldorf teacher in the Waldorf School Movement, where the teachers are storytellers, real story bringers of the curriculum, and they're standing before the children fully embodied to speak about all the whole kind of history of the human evolutionary saga um, through the through the grades and also through the high school that the teachers have to develop this uh, ability to hold the story from memory, not to read it and to uh, but to really bring it as a living art and um, uh, 
uh, you know, stream of um, um, uh, that 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 helps the the children to grow at different stages. So there's so much. Um, challenge there for me because I didn't grow up that way. My, my teachers, uh, even poetry was even out of style when I was, <laughs> when I was, when I was in our little lo local school here. And uh, I don't remember ever, uh, well, perhaps one or two of our teachers told a personal story that was inspirational. But um, it was it was certainly not in the culture. So when yeah. I was training in my middle thirties to be a, a Waldorf teacher, I, I I just in England, I heard, you know, I listened to teachers who had developed that art all in the service of the well-being of the children at their different stages of growing, and I thought, oh my goodness, I have a whole new world to. Uh, evolve within myself this uh, capacity to <clears throat> to speak really in the service of the children so, and to hold the stories from around the world in that way hmm. so that was that was the beginning but then that set me off on many 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 adventures where eventually I was working with parents who wanted to learn what I had learned and <clears throat> then the parents uh, brought their more personal troubles uh, to groups that formed, and I learned so much from working with people, and I continue to do so. And I'm a psychotherapist these days, rather than being in the classroom. Anyway, the whole school, the whole world is a school for <laughs> you and me That's growing. The truth. So, so I'm always sitting. You know, I'm always uh, coming to school every day when the dawn comes, uh, trying to learn something new about how to be, you know, a, a, a more, a more uh, fully present human being. Your book, uh, Body Eloquence, The Power of Myth and Story to Awaken the Body's Energies, I think yeah. that is really a, a powerful book. Can you give us the motivation for writing that book? Oh, gosh, it was, uh, you know, I, I, I began to... Uh, it, 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 through, I was studying psychotherapy, and I wanted to really understand how the way that we speak and the way we hold our memories and the way we talk about ourselves affects the way that we we feel. And it, it happened that uh, I I found an unusual yoga teacher who was learning a great deal himself because he had smithereened his own body when he was walking with a friend uh, in Boston and a car had zoomed down the road and threw her and killed her and he um, was shattered and he was a very and is uh, a mathematically brilliant fiery uh, fellow and he decided that he was going to learn how to put himself back together again. And in the process, he was learning about yoga and uh, about uh, Chinese medicine and all the meridians and uh, the way, it, and we reading very, very widely because of his very curious mind. And I happened into his studio with the encouragement of others, and I started attending uh, these intensive uh, yoga mornings at 6 a.m., which I did on and off but quite intensively for a number of years. When we were all as a group, we were all awakening to the way that, and, and I particularly, because I'd been working with storytelling as a healing art in so many ways before I came to this yoga studio in my 50s, that um, I began to see eventually that 
all the world's great stories are inscribed in the body, in the functioning of the different organs, the heart especially. Um, I was drawn to these stories that really strengthen and and calm and organize and expand the heart. But then as I went more and more, into, as we as a group, we went more and more into experimenting with uh, intensive um, yoga postures or yoga dynamics, I'll call it better, not so much postures as dynamics, that they would resonate with plot lines. Um, and the stories, of course, the great stories, they, they hold the negative, the positive. They hold the dark, the light. They hold sometimes very terrible things, which then become transformed in a better direction. The great stories uh, do that. They, they work. Uh, you know, they, they churn back and forth between the, the, the troubles and the transformation of the troubles. So I, I just began gradually to see more and more clearly how the troubled liver or the, why skin problems or why digestive problems. I'm working with someone now with some severe digestive problems. Well, how does the way the, the personal story is acting out how can we see that story more clearly as it's being indigestible in the body and the soul at the same time? So everything works together. And the more you look, the more you see about how everything works together. It's, it's such a fascinating, such a fascinating adventure to be a human being, kind, trying to inquire into how every, every organ, every organ formation within us, the kidneys, the spleen, the the whole, all the subtleties of the digestive um, alimentary tract, uh, our old appendix and the immune system, all of that. And it lives in the way that we manifest our personalities as well and the troubles that we get into. So the more you, yeah, it's just amazing what can be learned if it could stay on track. I get off because I get kind of overwhelmed, you know, and I need a rest, but. I'm I'm always questing into how everything in the universalist sort of way, you know, everybody, everything relates to everything else. <laughs> well, that will take a little break and we'll be right back. Continuing to be a leader in the field of spiritual care at the end of life, Hospice Chaplaincy provides high-quality professional development webinars that will improve your practice of spiritual care at the end of life. Check out our latest webinars at www.hospicechaplaincy.com. I'm Sole Berman. We continue our conversation with Nancy Mellon. Could you talk to us about the, the healing art of storytelling? Oh, I have uh, numerous friends who work with storytelling as a healing art. And... Uh, I hope that everyone knows about this movement called Death Cafe, which is uh, started out in Vancouver, I believe. Um, they now they don't call it that anymore. They call it Soul Conversations. They make a place so that people can come to explore uh, stories that relate to you know, developing the courage, the truth of of the life death. Uh, cycles, but also the practicalities of dealing with um, the ceremonies and the rituals around uh, around passing. So, um, and anyone can look up those uh, um, those um, 
uh, initiatives and also perhaps start one's own version of that in, in your own locale is a very friendly way to uh, invite people into a larger conversation about being you know, in the truth of the life-death cycles um, with, with others. And uh, storytellers who are dedicated to this, they, um, they've developed some you know, repertoires, some abilities to, to speak and to hold the personal stories that, that people have. I, I had an elder uh, friend who, when he retired, he wanted to learn to be a storyteller. And he was a man of great compassion. And he loved to tell stories about throwaway people, people whose stories were not told. And he would go into the hospitals to, uh, uh, to find the people who had no family and who were dying. And uh, because he had opened into his great heart and his intuitive ability to make story, one of the questions he asked, I just wanted to mention to you, uh, Kirk, um, that he, he, he told me once, he asked a woman... You know, who was about, you know, close to her last breath. He said, well, what was your favorite flower? He didn't know what else to say. So what was your favorite flower? And she was able to say, black-eyed Susan. And then he told her, he made up right out there on the spot, and I believe in this intuitive, spontaneous power of story into which the real healing streams can work. He, he made just a very simple little story about... Um, about a black-eyed Susan, and and then she took a great sigh, and she relaxed more deeply than she had uh, into the the process. So he, he's meeting her with his loving, childlike story was a great help to her. So I just mentioned that there are many ways to work with storytelling as a healing art mm-hmm. uh, uh, around the threshold. And um, I've just recently been with my uh, with our second brother, who um, needed to die from prolonged Parkinson's. Uh, and he is a man who uh, had worked with butterflies for many, many years and really inquired as a scientist into them. And uh, I mean, there's so much I could say about this, but, uh, but he wanted a natural death because he was so... Uh, he was so uh, profoundly in touch with the truth of the transformation process of the, you know, the, the, the caterpillar becoming uh, freed into these exquisite wing patterns that eventually then come out into the light and the air and into the starry uh, sun-filled um, mysteries and uh, can fly free. There were some caretakers there who, who had gotten well acquainted with him, and they found these wonderful butterfly uh, images, um, videos, that would play and play without any advertisement. So he was surrounded by butterflies. When they, people wanted, you know, certain family members and others wanted to administer merciful uh, medicine to help him to speed his death, he, he said, no, don't kill me. And he wanted to be profoundly in that organic process. And I, I love to tell his story because, I mean, there are, there are so many ways that people do want to pass over. He was resisting morphine because he just wanted to do it his own rhythm. Mm. 
in that. So storytelling can help uh, can help uh, bring a deeper connection, a deeper sense of rhythm and organic truth into the process of letting go and uh, and also just simply letting go of old stories that are not helpful, personal stories that need to die so a better one can take over <laughs> for a person. So, uh, yeah, so, <clears throat> so we're so immersed in these cycles all the time, mm. you know, of letting go and allowing the, the better, wiser truths, uh, the miracles to happen, the, 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 in, the, in, incomprehensible goodness to come come through mm. so and be be guiding more fully so for um for hospice patients so the people who are in the final stages of life uh, mm -hmm. what kind of uh, uh, stories do you feel can help bring that therapeutic healing uh, that can aid towards letting go. Yeah, well, uh, you know, in my own personal experience, which is what I best can speak about, uh, people want to be heard. They want to say, so they want to have a question or someone who is there who will really hold <clears throat> a loving picture of their whole life as a big and beautiful, mysterious, complex tapestry of uh, survival and and uh, so you know there are questions that can be asked like well who did who who did you love the most or what was the most beautiful place that you ever visited or who who will <clears throat> my friend Abigail who who has uh, uh, cared for this um, death cafe uh, impulse for many years and transformed it out in Vancouver? She says, she says, um, she says, let because she conducts ceremonial farewells mm -hmm. to help families to ask these questions and to really be open to listening to the what comes from the person who wants to let go of this life, natural life review process. You know, who, 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 who might be there to greet you when you pass over? Mm. You know, who, who has already passed over? Who will, who will be there for you? Tell us about that, mm. you know, that person, those people. So it's this. Um, it's not so much a canned story as a, as a, as a kind of uh, opening communion to the the person's soul, so that they before, so that there's a big listening to who they are, um, and of course they can start months and you know weeks before the actual letting go, but it can be a great help. Uh, I know um, our mother, who lived to be 97 plus, um, she always thought, you know, death is it, so forget about anything else. And, <clears throat> and being involved with the storytelling 
you know, mysteries, I, you know, I would say to her sometimes, I'd say, well, mother, you don't have to know everything, you know, you, you, you might be, death might be a great adventure mm-hmm. and, and oh, poo poo, oh, poo poo, you know, get real girl and so forth. <laughs> but, uh, but then, um, when she, when all of us children were gathered around her, which she orchestrated very well, by the way, um, in, in our, there were grown children and lots of grandchildren and dogs and so forth. And, uh, uh, and she looked around at all of us. Um, and she smiled and she said, well, you, you never know. I, I might be going on a great adventure. <laughs> so it, it, it is that aspect of, of the, the wonder of life and death, for that matter, which we think we, you know, we've got all clear in our left brain what it is. Well, there's a much larger, more mysterious, um, inner penetrating reality in which we we are born, in which we so-called die, thinking we know what's happening. Mm. But the story world, not at best, which is the way I like to work with it, can at least hold space for larger mysterious truth to come through. Mm. You know, I grew up in Africa, and in our culture, um, storytelling plays a big part. Uh, Where I grew up in rural Africa, we did not have uh, televisions or radios like we do now, and every (sighs) evening would sit around the fire in the compound and and the grandfathers or grandmothers would tell these uh, stories. <laughs> some of it is myth, but some of it is just family history. Mm-hmm. But they use those stories to pass on uh, moral values, uh, mm-hmm. cultural values, or aspirations, hope, and ambition. Um, so storytelling is really uh, engraved deeply into my life, and I love I love storytelling. I love listening to stories. I think even coming to end of life care, I think storytelling could be a powerful ritual when families sit together and either it's a forgiveness ritual or reconciliation or just anything that brings the family and the patient together. I think it's you're mm-hmm. right, it's it's really powerful. So speaking those those memories that of the person, you know, moments but but speaking them in a kind of a ceremonial way where one knows one's sharing a memory about the person mm-hmm. that that our personal memory of them that favorite memory or that that difficulty or whatever it may be that has been resolved that uh, that it, it, it we're speaking into a much larger tapestry of their their whole life story. And that's what makes a different quality of speaking mm. uh, and then a different quality of listening that just helps the heart to be eased and open. And when you just said that, I remember the patient, um, he was, when I visited him, he was going through a lot of death anxiety. So I mm. took him through life review just to share some important moments in his life. And, Wonderful. you know, at the end of the visit, he said, you know what? I've actually lived a good life. <laughs> I'm ready to go now. <laughs> but it took the recalling, you know, uh, recalling of his, yeah, 
a true story, yeah. But but saw the saw the way that you were listening with such such a wise heart that he, he could get out of his self judgment and his anxiety because but you know, if we listen and we just you know, we're kind of yeah, we're gonna you know, I don't know. I don't need to say what something else might be. Just I just want to affirm that you were listening with a very wise heart, and he could then his own heart wisdom could you know perceive himself more, more warmly and more lovingly. So it makes it makes a difference. Our presence before any kind of questions or comments or memories come out of our mouths. I think you know you. And Saul, if I may say so, you are a very remarkable role model. Thank you for for uh, speaking with your whole, whole wise heart. Well, thank you. With that, we'll take a little break and we'll be right back. If someone you know is suffering from mental health issues and could use some support, please call the National Alliance for Mental Illness Helpline. It is a free nationwide peer support service, providing information, resource referrals, and support to people living with a mental health condition. To contact the NAMI helpline, please call 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 1-800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, or send an email to info at nami.org. I'm Saleh Bem, and we continue our conversation with Nancy Mellon. Uh, in your second book, Healing Storytelling, The Art of Imagination and Storymaking for Personal Growth, what do you yes. want your readers to get out of that amazing book? Well, to know that, well, first of all, to have lots of companionship with other people who thought, I don't know how to tell a story, especially in this situation. Uh, it's just filled with, uh, with uh, multitudes of plot lines and also uh, examples of people who found, including myself, who found that uh, taking hold of a simple story process and working with it in a very challenging situation can bring about an enormous amount of um, help and healing. So there's many uh, companions there in that book of people who say, how would I do, how could I possibly do this? And then discovered what it can be. And uh, so I've been on this uh, path of discovery all along, working with uh, many different kinds of people, uh, trying to engage the imagination in the, the... the uh, finding way to take hold of whatever the overwhelming situation or problem or um, worry or whatever it is can, it is or the the organic um, disease process which it can then become fully illuminated like someone I'm working with right now uh, where uh, where her whole digestive system and her 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 joints are are just in pain. Well, she she's got something very stuck in her whole family uh, family history that is now coming much more to light. And and within that is a changing and a shifting of her ability to really speak about her real story and her real more real relationship with her her family and. Um, and, uh, and 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 as that 
takes place, these other pictures arise, the dream pictures, which are real healing pictures. So, um, so the, uh, the the book called uh, um, Body Eloquence uh, was written out of many years of putting together the uh, the the struggles, the personal struggles in connection with the energy patterns that relate to particular organs. We mentioned this before, but you can just, uh, and how how the, pl the, the characters and the plots of very particular stories that are in the cultural domain of the whole world, how very particular stories actually are actual reflections of the dynamics within, say, the liver or the kidneys that uh, can hold all of the, all of our organs are memory keepers, which uh, the medical experimental community is, is, is discovering now that the heart has a tremendous intelligence and memory patterns of its own. And um, look up the book called The Heart's Code, and you can learn a great deal more about, about that, but we all know that our hearts are full of not only our own personal heartbreaks and stresses and, and troubles that have helped our hearts to become wiser about being a human being, but also ancestral memories in our hearts as well, and in our livers, which are very connected with our emotions and our emotional patterns. Every part of us is a memory keeper. The stories emerge out of these very real organic patterns and, and, and have always communed with our physical, so-called our physical, I call it our physical spiritual body because the body, human physical body is also highly spiritual in its origin and in its uh, evolution. So the spiritual, uh, physical body is always responding to the way that we are experiencing life and uh, holding memories. And so, <clears throat> so particular stories really are ritual ceremonies for strengthening the heart of the tribe that I mentioned in the beginning, the Anandaka tribe, the telling of the stories strengthen the moral substance and the courage for life of the whole tribe. And that's what we want. For someone who is listening and, you know, they've never incorporated uh, storytelling in their personal growth, mm -hmm. uh, how could they start that journey? Well, I, you know, I hope that they would read my book Actually, you know, I mean, I would rather give them the copy, but um, but they have to go. But you can get them at a great bargain these days, you know. Yeah. Um, Where can they get your book? Oh, uh, you know, on the on the through the internet, there are lots of copies available, or they can get order it through their local bookstore, uh, and some libraries carry uh, these books as well because they've been around for quite some time. Um, and <clears throat> pass through many hands sometimes. Um, Although I must say something, people have told me they, that they start underlining passages when they're reading these books, and they start to say, oh, I'm underlining everything. So I got to stop. <laughs> anyway, 
<laughs> well, because I wrote, I wrote them so that they... The only reason I wrote them, actually, was because I thought, oh, my goodness, I've made these discoveries. I don't... Uh, I hope they can be helpful to other people. So so that I wanted every page to be, you know, worth the wood pulp or whatever that goes into them. But, uh, and that people would be able to go to any page and get some inspiration for going to the story process. Either you know, opening the listening, you know, opening the 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 the, the voice that can is a voice of compassionate resonance with ourselves and our own trouble, you know, or with another person or a group of people. That the, the voice is a, um, a, a a a kind of resonant communion with uh, the healing. That can come. So apart from your books, do you, do you also offer classes, right? Yes, I have for years. Right mm. now, I'm I'm 81 years old, and I'm in a kind of <laughs> I'm in a little resting time. So I don't oh. have any courses going right now. Okay. But um, but I I may rev up again. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, there's plenty um, there's plenty in, packed into those books. You know, if you're listening, please, I would encourage you to get these books. Um, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Oh, well, I, my website is healingstory.com. And I welcome communication. I don't go on face. Uh, I don't do the, the other kind of meeting, but people can contact me directly through uh, healingstory.com. And um, my my email is is nancy at healingstory dot com. So before you go, Nancy, what are your final words? <laughs> oh, what are my what are my last words in this world? Oh, no, not not of this world, <laughs> of this record. <laughs> You're your funny. Last to say anything, you know what? My my final words are tremendous gratitude to you for so for for holding this space for people to to speak more openly, more more freely, more compassionately, um, and for being the the courageous soul that you are for um, helping many many spirits this side and the other. Uh, to uh, to to be in this human uh, adventure, um, and uh, I have you know I have been in parts of the world where many have died, uh, and uh, <clears throat> for example in Warsaw when I was in Warsaw and I was uh, touring the old ghetto there and. Uh, the man who who was was taking us through that uh, that those those old territories, there was around him many 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 in, in, invisible souls. I feel that about you too. Um, the the spirit uh, helpers who want to sustain life and whose lives were stopped too soon um, by very human cruelty and stupidity and so forth. And 
who who are nevertheless still uh, with the angelic worlds and and <clears throat> and with the Christ spirit uh, seeking to help us human beings to persevere uh, um, in the great greater story that we can be as human beings together. Really, uh, thank you very much. I feel honored uh, for joining us and taking us through this wonderful uh, conversation. I think uh, personally I've learned a lot and I can speak for our listeners too who have learned a lot through this episode. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank you so much. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That was Nancy Mellon, her book, The Body Eloquence. The Power of Myth and Story to Awaken the Body Energies. And her second book that we spoke about is Healing Storytelling, The Art of Imagination and Story Making for Personal Growth. Please, I'll encourage you to get those books. You'll learn a lot. And thank you very much for listening. This show was brought to you by Hospice Chaplaincy, promoting excellence in spiritual care at the end of life. This episode was recorded at Audio Hive Podcasting in Julia, Illinois. You can find our podcast everywhere podcasts are available. If you enjoy listening to the show, please don't forget to give us your feedback by writing a review on iTunes. For more information, please visit www.hospicechaplaincy.com.